you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. The Around the NFL podcast is ready for a lovely staycation. Hello and welcome to Around the NFL. My name is Dan Hansis. I got heroes from across Los Angeles. Greg Rosenthal, Mark Sessler. There it is, Greggy. I mean, I love your new remote backdrop in your new home uh, here in Los Angeles. The Namath book with the greatest ever uh, title. <laughs> Uh, what is it? Life keeps getting better because I get better looking every day. Something like something that. like that. That sounds better than what it really. And is, then yes. over the left shoulder, <laughs> and well deserved, the locks trophy, sitting on top of a bunch of books. I do plan to uh, work on this at some point in this garage, but we've had we've had other issues in the house uh, to to settle first. We got the parents oh, you got the tool belt visiting. out. You know. Oh yeah. I just mean uh, it, the rest of this garage. Everything is still a mess, but I'm I'm happy uh, to be here and happy to just. Brag on that lock trophy for the next 12 months. I mean, Greg, you used to um, very prominently above your left shoulder have uh, beautiful images of your children. You've replaced it with a betting uh, <laughs> with a betting trophy that you won. Yeah, well, those are, that's my priorities. Uh, the I was going to say, it's a bit up. of a natural progression. Yeah, yeah they're the not kids as aren't so anymore. young anymore. Yeah, it's like, ooh, middle kid, school. Uh, I was going to say, our kids <laughs> have aged out of like adorable little baby darlings stage so you know the trophy at a certain point has to take center stage how are you mark i'm doing great you know uh we're taping a little bit early today and uh then it triggers what is essentially like sort of a three and a half day weekend for us barring um any sort of news that should tumble down and cause massive disruption to my plans yes and i i i don't think the nfl would ever do that to us even though there is a ongoing record of that happening something happening immediately after we finish taping uh that dates our podcast ever so slightly for the past 703 weeks 
<laughs> including Wednesday with your boy Elijah Moore. Yes, and I just want to say we're about to hit the news. Um, this is a, a trigger warning to some listeners that we're going to start the news by talking about an NFL topic that involves the Jets. And if this bothers you at all, I, I suggest one of two things. Touch grass or kiss my ass. Ooh. Let's hit the news. Jets at their own 38. Crowder in motion to stack behind Moore left. Back to throw his flack up. Throws one up the seam. It's caught. Elijah Moore in the open. Left sideline to the 40, to the 30, to the 20, 10, 5, pylon. Touchdown. Elijah Moore streaks down the left side of the field. Joe Flacco found him in stride. And the Jets are a point after away from a tie. Yes, Elijah Moore. And it was just yesterday uh, when we were talking about the power rankings and I was saying, I hope, I hope Elijah Moore uh, gets another chance with the Jets playing with a real quarterback uh, because I think there is obviously something there. He flashed... um, on a very high level uh, over, you know, about a, it was only about a five or six week sh- uh, stretch, but his draft stock com- combined with that stretch before he got hurt as a rookie, it was like, okay, this guy could be a star. Things went sideways um, this past season for Moore, who, who was benched. He had an outburst with um, then offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur, the Jets, um, and made a trade request uh, that I think really did ruffle feathers at Florham Park. So what happens? The Jets, uh, right after we learned that Nicole Hardman is heading to New York on a free agent deal, uh, they send Elijah Moore, their uh, former second overall pick, and a third round pick in 2023 to the Cleveland Browns in exchange for a 2023 second round pick. Um, Mark, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, for the Jets, it adds another draft pick as they're trying to get this Aaron Rodgers deal done. I wonder... I wonder, not to jinx us as we're taping early, if this is the first, uh, you know, step towards maybe a resolution there. But, you know, who knows? But the Browns get a, a player with a lot of upside that definitely disappointed in two years with the Jets, but maybe not all of his fault. Probably not all of his fault. Yeah, I think it's hard to evaluate um, Jets receivers and tight ends in general with the chaos that they faced at quarterback. Um, I mean, from a from a Browns angle, I, the one thing I think about Andrew Barry, I don't. I, I think he doesn't want to uh, ever be outdone in a bid for a wide receiver. You look at what they gave away for Amari Cooper, which was I think a fifth rounder, and in this you're flipping a, a second for a third. It was it was good value on a player that doesn't cost much money over the next couple of seasons, and they can try to find out what they have with Deshaun Watson at the helm versus Zach Wilson or Joe Flacco. Um, I like it for Cleveland because wide receiver was an absolute need, and I think where they are in the draft, like. You know, you don't know what's going to come your way. And so you pair him with Amari Cooper, with Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, they liked David Bell a year ago, but he didn't really emerge as a rookie due to some injuries early and just sort of not getting his spot. So it helps a position of need for Cleveland. Um, and I, I, I'm with you, Dan, because, you know, we text a little bit about it after that. I just have to think that it's a it's a wide receiver heavy room in New York right now. You added Meekle, there's interest in Odell Beckham, and that second round pick I think might have been the final piece potentially that Green Bay was saying we need that. If you can't get that, this thing's on hold. And so if this made all that happen, then there's a greater context and reason for it, and a Jets fan can't be too unhappy about what it might lead to. Uh, I think right. Jets fans, including myself, are are kind of unhappy about the deal where it stands right now. Because yeah, but what if it leads to Rodgers? Yeah. What if it's the only way you get Rodgers? Well, the it's whole like, thing is the- like, 
Jets fans and so many other people are like, we're already under operating under the idea that we have Rodgers. Now it's a matter of Joe D, the GM, finding a way to, to get it done. And and I think the disappointment here is more in the, hey, if if you if he fell out of favor internally, and Greg, I'll, I'll tee you up on this, so be it. If if you no longer thought maybe he was a good fit for the locker room or you have a new play caller in there now and they wanted to bring in Miko Harmon that brings something different to the room and you're going to add something else, that's cool. But what happens for with Elijah Moore is it feels like, God, is he going to turn into Chris Carter going from the Eagles uh, to the Vikings? Probably not. But can he become a Pro Bowl like player that's ripping the league up next year with Deshaun Watson? That is within the range of outcomes. Wow. Um, if that happens, it's a total disaster. I'm just thinking like, can he be a younger Cole Beasley or something? 3.3 million over the next two years. We, we look at all these deals in the context of their contracts and like, oh, you have to give a pick away if you have a bad contract. What an asset this contract is. Two years, 3.3 million. And I love this deal for the Browns. And, and you're right. I think the, the Jets level of disappointment kind of depends on what happens with Moore and, and what happens with this Rodgers trade. But for the Browns, it's amazing. I mean, they gave up nothing to get Amari Cooper, who's a borderline one-two, and they gave up basically nothing for Elijah Moore, who to me can be a great three, maybe a two. And and Jets fans Wait, say, for well, it we to got be it. amazing though, Greg, for it to be amazing, not to interrupt, he does have to become like a more of a high-level receiver, which I think he could be. If he's Cole Beasley, I mean, you did give up a second-round pick. Re but you didn't. You gave up a pick swap. You right. got a very valuable pick back. All you did was trade down. And I, I think Andrew Barry's operating under the correct assumption that there's a very good chance. Uh, maybe that's the wrong way to say it. There's a much higher chance than people seem to like accept on the outside that the 74th player in the draft is better than the 42nd player in the draft. That 74th pick is very valuable. Like we, we saw the Cowboys wouldn't give up anything close to that for Brandon Cooks or, or Stefan Gilmore. If you go look at the last two drafts, like who's 72, who's 84, for instance. And like I, I went and looked last year and it was, I, I think it was Andrew Booth was for Minnesota and Desmond Ritter for the um, Falcons was 74. And then back in 2021, uh, 42 is Liam Eichenberg. And 74 is Benjamin St. Juice for Washington, who's been a much better player than Eichenberg. And it's just like these these picks are kind of uh, crapshoots. And you're still getting a pretty good one on day one. And more importantly, you're getting a guy who I, I think has a lot of upside. And that's why I got into such an argument on, on text uh, with our friend Andrew Siciliano, uh, one of the most prominent Brown fans in the building. And my thing is, I just really like Elijah Moore. I think he can well, be a what really was he good saying? receiver. What was he, Andrew saying? He, 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 was, he was saying, look, that's a premium pick at 42. Um, and like he's excited about uh, that pick. And um, he wasn't even that excited about getting Elijah Moore and, and thinking like, oh, this guy might not be that excited. And I just I would I would give up a, a third round pick straight up for Elijah Moore, much less just that pick swap. Well, Dan, I ask, I'd ask you a question like when you're the Jets and you ship out Elijah Moore to get the second, but then you offer the third, which to Greg's point, like who that? That's sort of, you know, we'll see how either one of those picks land up, but it's not that stark of a difference. Like, it just tells me the Jets had to obtain this second rounder for something because I don't know why you do it. I don't know why you move him in this deal for what you got back. There is not, it doesn't scream value. And so it screams to me part A of a A, B step plan here. Agree. Yeah, Agreed. I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm, my feeling is that we're going to see, we're going to need to see the dust clear on this one. Um, 
But and, you know, I really do think people that don't follow the team as closely, there is context in terms of like where he started when he came in. He seemed like a total steal. And last year was not great. I mean, he literally I think he he told LaFleur, he said, you know, go F yourself in the middle of practice and then walked off. And then he demanded a trade when they were in the midst of that run where they're on a winning streak. And I, I really think. It's one of those things where he, he probably soured inside that organization in terms of how they view him. I don't I, I think it's a mistake. I think they should have held on to him. But sometimes like we don't we don't know what's internally what their conversations are about what they think about the player beyond just his ability level. I think there's some of that. I think there's some Beckham in here, which I'm also, uh, you know, lukewarm on at best. Um, but also I'm like like other Jets fans, it's Jesus take the wheel time right now. It's just like, let's see where everything lands. <laughs> And maybe it ends in, in a, an exciting, fun place. Uh, but this is not this is a very this is a white knuckle offseason uh, for if you're a fan of that team. And, and you know, we should just quickly like, you know, Deshaun Watson is it's a huge story uh, now as he enters his first full season after all the issues, issues of his own creating, of course, um, his own creation. Uh, he does now. He has Cooper. He has more. Um, he has he has Nick Chubb. Um, he is going to have an opportunity here to move the ball and score points. So I think it's a good trade for the Browns, but there's still that huge mystery around Cleveland about what Deshaun Watson shows up in August. Who knows? Maybe maybe Elijah Moore is complaining in October because Watson can't move the football because he didn't well, move he the football the, at the end of last year. He won't be the year. only one complaining if, if Watson's not <laughs> delivering in October. Right. Donovan Peoples-Jones is a nice little receiver for them, too. He's a, he, into a rotation guy, and in, in, in is a good tight end. They, they have a, a okay... Um, group around Watson now. And part of this is just, I could be wrong about Elijah Moore. He's a type of receiver I tend to like, guys who can get open, who can really run routes. And I don't know if the Jets and Browns consider this, but we have a subscription to PFF Ultimate. And I'm really basing uh, most of my excitement on about 40 minutes, I would say, of homework. I really grinded the tape last offseason of, of watching Elijah Moore's routes for about 40, you know, 40 minutes. It was a lot. And I was so impressed by that 40 minutes. I'm convinced he's going to be a great receiver. So they should maybe check out PFF Ultimate. One, that's a good plug, one <laughs> slight pushback to that with all of the quarterback dysfunction with the Jets, a guy like Garrett Wilson was still a monster. Um, and Elijah Moore went five games where he had one catch and as a regular part of the offense. He really disappeared last year. That's fair. That's fair. He really disappeared. But again, great trade for Cleveland. The Jets, let's see. It's a wait and see. In other news, sad news, uh, Foster Moreau, the tight end, uh, free agent tight end, um, formerly of the Raiders, and he had been taking visits and had visited with the Saints. And during a physical, um, he learned that he is uh, has been diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. He will be stepping away from football to to fight that that battle. Um, and obviously, anything connected to the world of uh, cancer is very. Um, sad and scary, and our podcast knows that all too well. All we could say is uh, he's going to get the best treatment available, and we hope for the best. And uh, yeah, for a speedy recovery for Foster Moreau. Yeah, the timing is brutal, but maybe it was good timing that he found out on this free agency tour. It's also something though, as like a mid round pick, like he was about to get that you know a chance maybe to start for the first time. Very well respected with the Raiders, but yeah, every every it's going to happen, I guess, for the rest of our life. Every cancer news hits hits harder because of West. So hope hoping the best uh, for him and, and hope he can recover quick. I mean, he visited a couple teams, and so it tells you that you know 
the tests they put you through medical wise are going to be different, but it's almost like, yeah, he may not play for the saints, but how fortunate that he had that visit, that it was found hopefully early. He already put out a, a message saying, I'm going to kick this thing's ass and get back to doing what I love, which is, um, we know that's possible too. So I don't know. It just, it changes everything you think about him. He was just sort of a reserve tight end in my mind before, and now it's completely different. Um, and you know, just to tag this, uh, sad story with something optimistic and hopeful, you know, John Menchie, the third, a draft pick of the Texans last year, uh, shortly after he's drafted, he was diagnosed with leukemia, uh, over the summer, missed all of his rookie campaign. And, uh, Nick Casario, the Texans GM, uh, said earlier this year that he's had an amazing recovery and they believe he could be back for the off season program. Uh, so let's hope it's a hmm. similar path. Uh, for Foster Moreau. Might play with his old teammate, Bryce Young. If he ends up there second, uh, they could they could reunite John Mechie and Bryce Young. There you go. Speaking of uh, Bryce Young, uh, we're having teams meeting with the top quarterbacks in the draft. The draft is coming up, boys. The draft is about five weeks away now. Uh, the Carolina Panthers met with both C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, uh, a huge contingent uh, at his pro day, uh, 12 um, 12 Panthers officials, including the owner, front office, members of the staff. Uh, they also, as I said, met and spoke with Bryce Young, whose pro day, I believe, is today. The Raiders also met with Bryce Young. And yeah, that's interesting, Mark. You, of course, we have the Raiders who just signed Jimmy Garoppolo, and we know where they are in the draft board uh, relative to these QB-starved QB uh, uh, teams. I wonder where the Raiders are going to come down draft day at that position. Yeah, I mean, I've always viewed, I think we all did, Jimmy Garoppolo is a, you know, a stopgap, a bridge to something else. I think that if you're Josh McDaniels, you want to almost give yourself some runway to say, I've drafted this rookie quarterback, and it's me. That's why you hired me, to groom him, to grow him. And it's not that Jimmy G's a finish line. I do, I always look at that card, where the Cardinals are sitting up there, high in the draft. They've got Kyler Murray. They're a rebuilding team. That is a target for someone like the Raiders or someone else to say, we're going to hopscotch the rest of these guys, get up there and get someone we like very early on. I um, am really buying the whole CJ Stroud to Carolina thing. And I know they're like meeting with the other quarterbacks too, but it, it was starting at his pro day and it's starting with like the owner going there. And our old friend, Josh Norris from underdog fantasy, we've had on the show a few times is part of it. To me, because he had Josh McCown working for Underdog during the season before he got this job, and he did a 40-minute segment on C.J. Stroud where he just gushes. He, com- he compares him to Joe Burrow, thinks he's really similar to Joe Burrow. There's this clip going ar- around of him at the Pro Day, which uh, another old friend of ours, Andrew Hawkins, pointed out, and, and he's friends with Josh McCown, just like, Josh needs to work on his poker face because in his like saying goodbye to CJ Stroud, he like hugs him and touches him about 14 different times. Just like he loves this dude. He's talked about this dude. And and weirdly, I, I don't know why Stroud's like upside's gotten maybe a little undersold compared to Bryce Young, but uh, the, the little, the, what I've watched, it's like, it's pretty exciting and sure. A lot of people like Bryce Young better, but I, CJ Stroud profiles as a guy who would go in the top two or three in most every draft. And it just seems like they are in love with this dude. And at this point, I'd be surprised if he's not the guy. And of course, we've been covering free agency and the fallout of that for the past week or so. But we will start pivoting back to dig it in on the draft next week. In fact, we have Daniel Jeremiah. Jeremiah? Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Soft J. Jeremiah. 
Yeah, I'm looking I forward know. to learning more about him next week, who he is, what he does. That's what's happening in the news. All right, let's take a break and then get Andrew Marchand of the New York Post on this there show. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary, indulges your senses, and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the Natural Hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Welcome back. Our next guest is a favorite. I mean, he's a dominant presence in sports media coverage right now. There's no way around it. He also is the co-host of the Marchand and Orand sports media podcast. It's Andrew Marchand. Very nice introduction. I appreciate it. Hey, um, I want to tell you something, Andrew. And I, I was listening to your show about a week or so ago. And, and it's a very good podcast, by the way. Everybody should check it out. And I think it's getting a little juice because uh, your partner, John, says something like, oh, you, you made a comment like, you know, I'm, it's, people are starting to give me some issues for things I say on this show. And, they, you know, I don't know if you're getting aggregated or it's just people in the media reaching out to you privately. And then John says, and this is a great spot for Marshan, by the way. John goes, yeah, people are coming up to me and being like, why do you let him say that? And then John's like, I can't control him. Mm. Which is just like, it paints Marchand in such a great spot. It's like Howard Stern and 91 or something. It's like, listen, man, he's in his own stratosphere and he's he's untethered, but he's also magnetic. And that I just want to say that's that's a good sign for you and the whole team. 
Thank you. That's very nice. That's very nice of you. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, when we started the podcast, we kind of knew I was going to get myself in trouble, which I don't mind because I only say <laughs> things that I know to be true uh, and try to be fair. So, hmm. but uh, but yeah, there feels like it's getting weekly that we have a little issue of some sort, but it's fine. What well, is that? The- yeah, As ahead. a bad boy of NFL media, I can say it's a lot of responsibility to put on your shoulder, <laughs> but I'm not trying to be uh, fair all the time and not even accurate all the time. So you're on a different, a different. That makes it experience. easier. That's self-proclaimed by Greg, by the way, that there's no, that's not a unanimous um, decision that he owns that title. Although you probably could have guessed. Um, <laughs> let's start here because uh, we have a few things. We, we ran into you at, at Radio Row there minutes before you did your sit down with Brian Rolap. Um, you know, a, a big, a big deal, dude, uh, with our company. And we said we wanted to have you on again to talk about a few things. And you, one thing that you reported recently that we found interesting uh, was the Troy Aikman Monday Night Football situation, if you will. Uh, they just finished their first year. Uh, Aikman and Buck in the in the booth, obviously, after years of tinkering, trying to find something that that worked. Uh, there was a booger mobile involved at one point. Um, and obviously there were big gains having two of the best in the business in the booth. And yet, Andrew, in your reporting, you point out that it wasn't quite a smooth ride behind the scenes. And and those uh, some changes are coming ahead of year two of Aikman and Buck on ESPN. Yeah. Number one, I think it's, it's you know, fair and, and the right thing to do to point out. The broadcast was good last year. I mean, I think everyone agreed. I don't really think I read anybody you know, you can have opinions on if you like Aikman or Chris Collins or whomever, but I don't think I really heard anybody say, you know, Monday Night Football wasn't really improved and it felt bigger uh, with Buck and Aikman. Um, behind the scenes, listen, Troy can be tough. Uh, you know, we hmm. remember him as a cowboy yelling at his offensive lineman. Uh, his last, you know, years at Fox, there are some issues. Behind the scenes, he's been very public mm. going after Fox's CEO, Eric Shanks, after he left, even though, you know, he got a $18 million a year contract from ESPN. Uh, and, you know, they were they were paying him $13 million. So Troy can be <laughs> difficult. Um, you know, the way they do the games is different. They've been doing it together for two decades. And, you know, they come in on the private jet, which is what all the basically the number one teams do for the most part, Burkhardt and Olsen, maybe not, but the others who have been doing it for a long time uh, do. Uh, and so sometimes they come in day of game. So that creates a dynamic of these are the stars and the production people are the help. Uh, and so, again, I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing, but when there's a change, there's going to be blame because what happens now, they've made the move uh, with Phil Dean uh, and Jimmy Platt. Phil Dean was the producer and, and that's where Longtime producer, three decades, uh, been at the Monday Night Football, three decades, I should, should say, at ESPN, uh, well-respected, been the number one producer uh, for college football, and then moved over to, to Monday Night Football um, for the last four years. And so you come in, the dynamic is those two are making th- $33 million, Buck and Aikman, I'm and not- they're flying in. And so that creates a problem. So then they make this, so they knew Aikman didn't like Dean's a little laid back, which you would think he would like, but he's a little laid back. Uh, Him and Aikman didn't think that was great. ESPN makes the move. And the impact it has, it affects everyone down the crew because now uh, Steve Ackles, Derek Mobley, who's going to be the new director, Ackles, the new producer, they're going to bring in their own people. 
I mean, mm. like, when you mention that Aikman is difficult, and I get that, you know, probably from the age of 15 on, he's been told, you're the center of our town, you're the center of UCLA, you're the center of X, Y, and Z. Um, do you think that there's, you know, is there self-awareness? Because you pointed out a great example that in week one in that Broncos-Seahawks game, that he publicly um, lashed the telestrator operator for a mistake, and it's like, that's not what we're used to back in the day in Fox, and like, so that kind of stuff obviously runs entire crews the wrong way. Is Aikman self-aware at this point after a report like this comes out and these changes? Like, does he change his MO or does Aikman just stay Aikman no matter what and continue to be, in your words, difficult? I think when difficult? these things become public, there's a chance for someone to change a little bit and kind of understand uh, that, you know, here and there's a chance for you to change now like do i know if troy aikman's going to change i don't know i don't know if he knows he's going to change uh for certain but look this is what you get into like you guys are big stars you know i've talked to david singer i know you treat you know he's your producer you don't treat him well you know you guys are we're the stars and singer you know just you do the legwork we're going to take all the money and credit and you do all the hard work we'll, we'll know we're big stars when marshawn starts you know covering our next contract yeah. negotiation. and just so we treat singer well it's justin our our right. audio producer we treat poorly just to, i yeah, don't no make that on record yeah but but but, but honestly in all seriousness we look at money in football yes on, as a on a personal level does it matter how you treat people of course but you go to the top of what we said, the broadcast was better. So if they're showing up mm. for some games, day of game, and it still sounds good, still looks good. Um, is there an issue? I don't know. I mean, so does Troy changed? Uh, I, I tend to doubt he will. I mean, it's worked out pretty well for him. Three time Super Bowl champion, Hall of Famer, $18 million a year contract as an analyst. <laughs> so uh, in terms of those things, subjective, I mean, objective of facts, uh, he's doing pretty well. So I say probably to answer your question, I don't know what he'll do, but I, I doubt he'll change that much. Yeah, it's like a classic TV, uh, not debate, but just question. Like, who's the boss here? Is it the is it the producer? Is it the executive producer? Is it the talent? When the talent's making $18 million a year and flying on a private jet, it's no, it's like no longer a question. <laughs> 100%. Doesn't matter what the contract <laughs> it's, it's, says. Those guys are the stars. And they're going to do it the way they want to do it. And it's I like the say, NBA. It's like, who's the boss, LeBron or LeBron's coach? Like, you just look at the salaries. <laughs> well, I, mean, I always yeah. say this, too, like for bosses I've had, you know, people always want someone like their lockstep with their bosses. And if you remember Casey Jones, the old Celtic coach, was kind of known for just throwing the ball out into the court and letting Larry Bird and Robert Parrish and Kevin McHale and Dennis Johnson do their thing. I think most people, you actually prefer that. Like you want, if you, if you're lockstep with every little thing, but you don't really want someone micromanaging. You want them to, if you, if you're going to work hard and do your job, you want them to just kind of let you do it. From your lips to God's ears, my friend. Um, <laughs> you know, I found one other thing about the Monday Night Football telecast, which I agree. I think everyone agrees. It was a step up um, as a football fan, because I really did enjoy the Manning cast. And for me, it was a strange year because I, I, Previously, when the, the main booth wasn't really my cup of tea, it was like, oh, it's great to have the Manning cast. With Aikman and Buck, I, I think, and this is maybe gets to a greater point when people talk about should there be this much money invested in these booths um, when the game is really the, the main attraction and that will decide how many people tune in, tune in. Well, I didn't really watch the Manning cast this year because I enjoyed Buck and Aikman and it, it felt when you're listening to them and watching a game that they're covering that it's a real deal. So... It was a bit of a strange thing because I missed most of the Manning cast because I was I was into the Aikman and Buck uh, for real. 
Yeah, I mean, like, I, I have two TVs in the office, so I can watch both at the same time. But, like, you can go back and forth, which Humble one you have brag. the sound on. But, yeah, I mean, I think there is something to that. I think where, you know, man, the Manicast really helps is on, like, games that aren't as good, right? Or if there's a blowout. And they had a lot of them. They, they, I have to say. They had a lot of bad games. You could kind of hear yes. Buck and Aikman grumble about it a little bit. Like, they were maybe missing those great Sunday afternoon games. Yeah, they weren't Al talking about selling 20-year-old Mazdas, but <laughs> they were. How about, how about your conversation with Al, Andrew, um, after the wild card game where he – you know, he took some fire on this show as well, just uh, for low energy. I think we talked about how it just felt like he was a, put in a tough situation um, energy-wise uh, with, what was it, Dungy, I believe, yeah, Dungy, uh, yeah. in the booth with him. Um, we've talked about, like, where does Al stand now as, he, you know, as he's entering the, the twilight of his career? I think he's kind of in a Jimmy Key, 95, 94, where he, he, maybe he's throwing an 88, that fastball now, but he can still hit the corners. Like, where did you get, uh, where did you come down on Michaels in year 7,000 of an amazing career? Yeah, like he's a legend. He might be the best play-by-play uh, -play -play TV NFL guy ever, probably is. Uh, I, look, I, I if I'm Amazon, I'm paying the guy close to a million bucks a game. I don't want him to crap on the level right because it did become a thing that amazon's games stink and they're the offense you know there's no offense and uh that's kind of tough when again they're you're the lead voice now his thing would be like i'm not gonna lie to the fans yeah and, he, and he'll say he didn't do it that much but your job's not to critique the game it's the call of the game and to me you can be honest with the audience i'm not saying to be dishonest with the audience but a couple of times i don't know it's a little much like to me, because I think the audience that's watching, we're choosing to watch. We want to watch. And so, yeah, sometimes there's bad games and you can kind of point that out. But I thought it was a little bit too much, in my opinion. I want to spring off that because I, I wonder in reverse, because when Al Michaels had that performance and, you know, we, the, the four of us have watched Al Michaels for a really long time. But if you're 25 years old or 22, Al, you're getting the later end of Al Michaels' career. You're getting the later end, the latter stages of Bob Costas. You're getting the very latter stages of Greg Gumbel. And these guys don't seem at times like completely in tune. And I think the second layer to this that is different than when you and I went to Ithaca back in the mid-90s is that, um, well, no, because it's like that. Let's I talk think more we about went, that. Well, we went to broadcasting school because what we were watching was so different than today. And there were so many um, limited channels to get on the air in any way. And these guys were icons. But now on Twitter, it, if you're Al Michaels or you're the producers or the production company, that the corporation behind this, and people are getting filleted on Twitter by actual um, other analysts and fans in general, and it becomes this grounds from where suddenly Tony Romo's no longer competent in what he's doing. He's not special. Like, how annoying is this? to everyone else that 20 years ago didn't have to deal with this layer of critique. You got guys killing people for Al Michaels, not knowing clock management in the final. It's just like, it's so <laughs> micro and like the guy can't get out of a broadcast without getting slandered left and that's right. That's Greg that's killing Al Michaels, by the way. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's different. I always say, if Vin Scully was broadcasting baseball today, Twitter, there'd be people crushing Vin Scully, goes too long, these stories are too much, he has to work alone, which you know Vin Scully did uh, for a large part of his career. Uh, and so I think when you, uh, so everyone's going to get it. Um, and I, if I were, I think you know, like when you get to Nance and Roma, like CBS has an issue. Like that's a problem, that booth is not that good right now, and they have a Super Bowl coming up this year. I mean, they got to find a way to improve that. Um, but 
you know, you can't just go by social media. Uh, you can't make decisions based on social media. And you're right, though. I think it's a very good point you make about these guys at the latter end of their career. I think they should go as long as they want. Like, I don't think it's anybody's play, their legacy. Like, the, the, you know, Willie Mays as a Met. Nobody thinks of Willie Mays as a Met, right? If I said Willie Mays, that's you don't think, oh, you fell in the outfield as a Met. You know, we're all too young to remember actually seeing that. But, like, that's like the kind of one of the, you know, name it as a Ram. Like, those things... I, I don't think those matter, but I will say with a younger, you're saying like the people who don't have that history as much with these legendary announcers when they're not as enthusiastic. And I think that was the big thing. That was an incredible comeback. And Alan, Tony were doing the game as if it was like a you know Sunday afternoon at one o'clock and just like, hey, whatever. And you could feel it. Like I, you could feel the comeback, I think as a fan, like you didn't know they were going to do it, but you could feel it happening. And they were just late to it. You know, Dungy's low energy. And, and Al's also, you know, he's not high energy. He needs the, you need that yin and yang with Al at, at this point. And he's never been a huge high energy guy. Um, but, and he's, you know, economy of words as well, which is great um, in, in large degree, but on that game, yeah, that wasn't good. But it's not great when Tony Dungy's your partner or Kirk Herbstreit for that matter, who's like fine, but I don't know if he's picking up out because the NFL is not his number one sport. And I, I think that comes across a little bit too. So it's putting him in a tough spot. I, I tend to think, look, I think people would love Vince Scully because Vince Scully's great. And I think people loved Al Michaels until recently. And it's just because he's not as good anymore. And so I, it feels, it feels fair to me. But to Mark's point, like there's like a level of scrutiny that exists now. And yes. especially at these primetime games, it's, and the advent of Twitter and social media, it's like people have to have takes and it's a part of like the, I call them the booth wars, right, Andrew? So it's like, what has happened in the last few years with all this money, it's put such a spotlight on these booths in the way that it's never been on before that now it feels like it's open season for everything these guys say. It's got to, it's got to be pretty difficult. Do you think this is kind of a, uh, we'll remember, like, an this is a pretty good idea. Andrew writes a book down the line called mm. Booth Wars. I get a 7% <laughs> cut of it. 7%, yeah, and, right. and it tells like a, a crazy story about here is the story of when, in, in the media world, when booths turned into the most valuable entity and blah, blah, blah. Best seller. Mm. Um, wow, that's pretty good. Is that going to, is this going to continue in perpetuity? Or do you think we'll remember this as like eventually the, the networks are going to kind of pull the reins back on this? Uh, and, and, or do you think guys are just going to keep on getting paid like superstar quarterbacks? Yeah, I think the NFL is different, right? Because you got Tom Brady in theory coming into the booth, not next year, but the year after at $37.5 million, which I reported uh, per year. So if you think about it, if Patrick Mahomes 15 years from now, um, you know, or Joe Burrow, you know, goes into a booth, like what are they going to, they're not going to, they're going to need to make a lot of money. So I don't think that's changing to get these, these ex players. Um, and I think that, you know, Joe Buck is a young guy. I mean, he's in his fifties, so he could do it for another, you know, 15, 20 years, or you look at like Al, you know, they could go, who knows how long he could go. So I don't think he's getting many pay cuts of any. Uh, so mm. I think the money is going to be there, you know, cry me a river for these guys. You know, yes, they have the scrutiny, but uh, you get that direct deposit every week. Uh, it's not bad. Uh, and it's a weird job because, you know, this, this all happened basically because ESPN was incompetent and in trying to put together a booth 
you know, they lost Tariko to NBC. That kind of started everything because Tariko's a good play-by-player. Mm. Who's the most important person in that in any of these boots to make the analysts better? I mean, that's the most important person. And so they lost Tariko. Uh, and then they, they had trouble with McDonough and Gruden didn't work out fully. And so and then they spiraled into ridiculousness and like really some of the worst decisions in TV history with uh, Tessator, Booger and Witten. I mean, that's just like it was hard to believe when it happened. And then like, you know, OK, let's give it a chance. And it was like, oh, this isn't good. Um, and so you, you look at it. Uh, so they so then eventually it gets to the point where Romo is a free agent. He's the hottest thing three years out. And he goes from three to four million to 18 million a year because ESPN is uh, breathing down uh, CBS's throat. And there's NFL deals on the horizon, which is the most important thing to these companies sports wise and maybe even overall. Uh, so CBS wants to keep Romo. So they go into negotiations with the top guy at that point. ESPN wanted to steal him. And this is, and this is another little point. And I, won't, I could go on and on about this. But before the pandemic, there was a feeling, I wrote something about this, that ESPN and ABC and Disney was gonna, were going to go after uh, CBS's Sunday package. And so the deal Romo had, he has the best luck effort, was right before the pandemic hit. Uh, really, you know, it's like known. Uh, and so he got in there right before. Uh, mm. And then you go forward, ESPN, in their negotiations with the NFL, they we're going to, we want a couple of Super Bowls. They get a couple of Super Bowls. They tell the NFL, we're going to improve the booth. So they're Super Bowl worthy. And, you know, last year we had uh, just total tremendous mayhem. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew, you, you, you're a media insider, of course. You're one of the top ones. Um, Dan, for a long time, you know, considered himself a self-styled media insider. Why are you putting it in the past tense? Okay. Okay. But he he sometimes faces some competition in house. You know, I I try to do some work myself. He doesn't like it. I uh, I ask around, and um, <laughs> the biggest. I can't issue... We just subjected Andrew to that. By the way, he's <laughs> a professional. I was so looking forward to that. I liked it. I thought it was good. I'm ready for like the morning zoo. Well, there's a dolphin like, in there at some Joby. point, just to let you know. Yeah, and Greg um, from the Zeuser in the morning just. Sometimes if you have to go into underground garages in a trench coat and a cigarette to ask the questions, it, you just might have to change your path. And it's not just text messaging. It's getting your, your rolling up the sleeves and get your fingernails dirty. That, that's going to get you the answers you're looking for. Andrew, do you see what I'm dealing with um, show to show on this uh, vehicle that we operate here? <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, I, we could talk offline, but I think like Zeus in the morning, your own thing, you might want to just take off. And if you do, you know, mm. let me know and we'll get a big story out there. A little breakup, you know, uh, maybe <laughs> right, let, me, let me hit you up after the show. Uh, Andrew, <laughs> incredible as always. And yes, like I said, it's it's a really good podcast. If this stuff is as interesting to you as it is to us, Marshand and Orand sports media podcast, get that wherever you get your podcast. And of course, New York post for all the latest scoopage on the game. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. All right. There he goes. Andrew Marshand. And how about this? Like get Burkhart and Olsen on a damn private jet. I mean, that's where they draw the line on their carbon footprint. Fox, like, if all these other dudes are flying in style, you got to have your number one team. However short that stay may be before Brady decides to get involved, put him on a jet or don't I'm, or put no one on a jet. How about this? Yeah. 
Either put nobody on a jet. I mean, and you don't have to put everybody you know, on a jet. Right. The greatest story of all was John Madden traversing the country to mm. and fro in a bus. And now on a I, bus, I, you know, the greatest that, who ever seemed did to it. work for him on a damn bus. And nobody was better. I mean, it was a luxury bus. There was a lot going on in there. There was a lot of fun to be had. No, There's no it was an, a broken that. down greyhound that he found at a chop shop that he did just enough to get it rolling. And he crisscrossed that country for 30 years. A real man. Um, all right. This is what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. We're going to hit the mailbag and then we're going to say goodbye. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. All right, welcome back. Good show so far. We got some news in, got some media talk in you know one more thing about romo you know he is getting paid gobs of money to do this he's the criticism is mounting he's been under the microscope for the last 25 years of his life right 20 years of his life whatever 20, dating back yeah. to his you know college days or even high school whatever um and now he's a very rich man and he's, it's a guaranteed contract more or less i'm assuming um, I wonder, like we talk about, oh, there was this come coming to Jesus meeting and, you know, he's, he's being asked to step it up. Like there's no guarantee Romo is taking anything out of that. So the idea that Romo comes back and is different, that could happen. Uh, but there's also a chance it's just like, he, he's like, whatever. And he's like, I don't even agree with what you're saying. I think it's just interesting. Like the level of give a f 
block uh, Tony Romo might have to any criticism, either outside or inside his own, you know, employer. It it is funny to kind of think about that compared to like being an NFL player. Like, God forbid you guarantee an NFL player's contract, but you got to get that private jet for Tony Romo to show up day of, like, and not have done any homework and make more than you know about ninety six percent of the NFL. I mean, I also like I I had assumed number one that he is working hard and not just totally mailing it in. That's a massive assumption. But like, if someone, well, I don't. Know, someone says go get get three times better at calling a football game, like. What's the roadmap for that? I mean, you were lauded as the greatest thing that's ever happened. And now suddenly, I just think it's a lot of it has to do with just public perception. And like, he's the next guy we gang up on. I've been hard on him in the past, but I never liked him as much as you guys did, I think, out of the gate. But the idea that he suddenly became a disaster, I, I don't find that to be entirely valid I think either. When, when Nance and Romo reunite, whenever that is later this year, I think the first thing Nat should say is like, usually it's kind of like a, a trite uh, conversation filler, but I think he should say it in a pointed way. Hey, Tony, working hard or hardly working? <laughs> Stupid. I like that Nance has taken some heat in all this too uh, from our buddy Marshawn. I think I think there's something to that. Yeah, the, he does. He catches strays from certain figures, including Marshawn. All right, let's get to the mailbag. We put out a prompt and I want to say, I've always been very upfront about this with this show. We ask the listeners to get involved and, and, and tee us up, and then we have conversations. And sometimes it's not so hot. Sometimes I feel like I'm really digging through and struggling. Um, but this is not one of those times. I think the I think the listeners uh, really nailed it this time. We have a nice a nice uh, collection of questions. So let's dig in. The grave digger, producer, digger. is going to uh, tee us up. Go ahead, bud. All righty. First question comes from Ross Johnson Comedy. Does Baker Tell me have more what it about ta- your comedy, Ross? <laughs> no, okay, go ahead. Does Baker have what it takes to take Tampa to playoffs? I personally haven't seen loads of him having only followed from 2019, but I think he could truly <laughs> surprise a few. I guess that's, that's the joke time. right there. But, yeah. Um, go ahead. Mark. I, I, I don't think that Baker Mayfield is someone you could project as taking anyone anywhere right now. I mean, I, I think he's probably adequate um, with a lot of issues that we've seen as a quarterback that date back years outside of a couple really hot streaks. And I don't know if Tampa's set up to uh, be the fertile ground. And like, I, you know, to me, it's like you're, you're following Tom Brady's footsteps. Um, this feels like a couple years of let's kind of find our quarterback um, who's not named Baker Mayfield down the road. I'm not even entirely convinced he is going to be the quarterback. He got basically Drew Locke's contract. I understand there's kind of no one else there, but the money is usually instructive. He does have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Justin Gage. Like at first, when you had them, you know, maybe fifth to last in the power rankings. Russell. Uh, Dan, Russell by Gage. My uh, Russell Gage. I always say Justin Gage. It's just never going to change. Former Titans, great. Uh, I was like, is that too high for the Bucks? But then I realized, no, they still have some like legitimate NFL players. On yeah, team. my two thoughts on this are, I think this is a good year to follow Tom Brady. This is the first time it's okay to follow Tom Brady because Tom Brady wasn't very <laughs> good last year. And I think everybody was kind of ready to turn the page. And I also think Baker is one of the big winners of the offseason. Like, I've never been a big fan of him as a player. And I don't think other than a couple, you know, flashes last year really one quarter of a primetime game and then one blowout of a hideous Denver team I didn't think he showed that much even with Los Angeles and yet I think he is going to be a starting quarterback uh come September in week one and that is 
pretty big victory for a guy that an otherwise a market with guys of his production level settling for backup jobs. I think he has a real chance to to be a starter in week one, which I think some of that we talk about in some of the Baker juice and Odell has the same thing going on. It just elevates him. I think even within the Cognoscenti um, internally, I think it gives him a little leg up on other guys, even if maybe the production isn't there. I think you're right. I'd say one again, the Bruce Arians was very high on Baker Mayfield and probably thinks I can do what another team didn't. And whenever you're drafted in the top we see it with Sam Darnold too, top one, two, three. There's always going to be a team until you truly fail that's going to think we can make this work. But Baker especially, because he had he's had very high profile moments, yeah. including that playoff win over Pittsburgh that that stick with people's psyches, I guess. I mean, starting right. week one's great, but you can still turn into Sam Darnold in Carolina or Mitchell Trubisky in Pittsburgh if if you're not in a position to to play well. Right. But just the opportunity could be there. As a week mm-hmm. one starter. That's pretty good. All right. Uh, let's uh, move on. From J.R.K. Ray. The NFL as a whole feels more and more like it's adopted the attitude that if you don't win a Super Bowl, your season was a failure. Where does the line begin where it's okay to have consistent success, like the Steelers or Ravens, without frequent Super Bowl wins? What's better as a fan? Um, I want to push back just a little bit on that because I don't... I don't know if I see a... I know the parody... Um, makes it feel like more teams have a chance to win the Super Bowl every year, which is the goal of the whole parody idea. Um, but I was going to, I what I took out of this question, guys, was like, what are the teams that you do feel heading into 23 are in Super Bowl or bust mode? Um, and, you know, I would just look at the top of my power rankings, Chiefs, Eagles, Bengals, Bills, Niners. I kind of stop it at that. Those five teams, like anything less than a championship would be considered failure. Is there, do you guys agree with that? Do you think there's other teams that are kind of in that boat? I, I would agree with that because when we did the power rankings exercise yesterday, I, I think it really falls off a cliff into a middle world after that, um, where I think, it, you know, to answer the other part of his question, like look at the Seahawks or Jaguars from a year ago. I mean, I think if there's mm-hmm. progress and you see as a fan, like, wait a minute, these guys have a plan, there's a vision, and you have a quarterback, like whether it's Geno Smith who becomes a big story or Trevor Lawrence who takes a leap, then it's like, let's hang on for the next, we want this to be a next four or five or six year window where we could make the Super Bowl, where if you're the Bills, it's just bitter disappointment if you didn't get there. Yeah, I I want to think that the journey is the exciting part as a fan because if it's title or bust, and there is a bit more of that, I think, in today's sports, just media talk that like everything but a title is a disappointment. That's a silly way to be a fan because you're just going to be disappointed uh, 31 out of 32 years if you're like an average year. And like I think about I'm a fan of the Celtics. I'm enjoying the journey of the regular season, the ups and the downs. Like that, like if if they don't get there in the end, it's going to hurt a lot for sure. But if you're not going to have fun along the way, you just want your team to have a little fun along the way or else what are we really doing here as sports fans? But like you, you, you got to like it. Using the Celtics as an example, you know, yeah. they've won one title in, you know, 30 years or whatever. But if right. you were asking if Greg Rosenthal was a 43-year-old man in 1988, and they had won all those titles. That's absolutely how you would view the prism of their season, wouldn't you? I, I, absolutely. I just, I just mean like you need to find more out of being a sports fan than just like wanting the title. Like that's going to like change everything that you've ever known of being a sports fan. Because it won't. Like you'll still just be a sports fan after it. Like you got to like the process. You got to 
I, I think as a fan, I want that consistent success. I like the Ravens are a good example. Like, yes, it's been frustrating how these seasons have ended, but I, I would much prefer a team that is consistently good than one that just pops up for one title and then goes dark like the Bucks uh, for for twenty I, years. I think also with um, and this isn't a shot, Greg, but as a Patriots fan, it, it puts you in a different mindset with that. And I think with the in some way, because you got to experience the Super Bowls and know what it felt like after the fact. I think the Eagles are a good example of that and their fan base getting close to the mountaintop, waiting 50 years, winning that title. I think being a fan and it's it, it's part it colors my fan fandom as well. Like I feel like fans deserve and kind of need catharsis at some point. They need like that true moment of true celebration to to get to the mountaintop. And then you yeah. can really prop, properly contextualize what it means to be a fan. When you're just waiting and waiting and waiting <laughs> forever, like literally your whole life, it does kind of put you in a different, you know, right mind space. I, I guess mean, I'm saying, though, like you're looking for Rodgers to give you some enjoyment over the next few years as a Jets fan, or at sure. least just give you something like that's what, you know, give you something. I, I totally disagree with that, though, because in that specific case, not to go down this wormhole again, if they go <laughs> nine and eight next year with Rodgers, that is a vast disappointment compared no, you to, need to win what it's all being games. done. Have some have some moments. for sure. the, I, yeah, I, they, I wonder, I wonder if you could win like, nine games. I'm sorry. I'd love everybody. to see like a human study on what percentage of human fans never experience a championship across all sports. Because if you think about it, there's a lot of crappy teams that never win a championship. It's got to be like 70 something percent if not more, never have that mountaintop moment. So when you've had it, it's a lot easier. And Greg, I'm not pointing just at you, but it's a lot easier to be philosophical about the journey and have a nice time when you've had that moment. If you haven't and you start to get into your 40s and 50s and 60s, it becomes a desperate chase that you have no control over. Uh, Mets, Jets, Knicks fans born after 1973. Raise your hand. Um, all right. What else? It also depends on how many sports you root for. You know, the more sports, the right. more chances your most, team of most people Most people get something if they root for three or four. All right. Ben Lynn wants to know, if Desmond Ritter isn't the answer for the Falcons, has Art Smith made it inevitable he will be fired by the end of the year? This kind of gets to my point about what are the Falcons trying to do right now. And I, if, Greg, if if... Ritter isn't the guy. I just feel for Arthur Smith because I will feel like he never got a chance. He went from Matt Ryan over the hill to rightly getting rid of Matt Ryan and trying to figure out a transition year with Mariota to taking a risk on a third round pick with Heineke as the backup. If he ends up getting canned because they don't, don't go to the playoffs in their first three years under this leadership, which happens all the time in the NFL, I'll feel like if I'm an Arthur, if I'm Arthur Smith, I got cheated. I agree with that. I think he could be the rare guy that would have a chance to keep his job after missing the playoffs three straight years. Because I, I think they really took a long-term view when Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith took over. Last year was the ultimate, like, we're just going to take it on the chin dead cap year. Like, they had the most dead cap uh, in the league, and maybe it was the most in NFL history. Uh, I think if they had like a promising season this season in any way that they, they would give him another chance. But uh, Ritter uh, is the key. And yet I still am not totally convinced he's going to be the guy. I don't know why. Well, we don't have enough evidence, but it was a month, two months ago or a month ago at Super Bowl week that Arthur Blank was spinning sea poems about Desmond Ritter. So I think from the owner on down, there seems to be some buy-in. So 
if you're Arthur Smith and you get fired and they show progress, um, totally unfair. I mean, he's got it. He's not making this decision unilaterally. What else? All right. I think this Good one question is for... so far, right? They're doing well. I like him. Like him. This one's for Greg from After. Your daughter comes to you and says that she has started dating an NFL coach, not necessarily <laughs> She's a head 11. coach. She's 11. Which I'm reporting coach... them to the authorities <laughs> and ending it there. Okay, Imagine this, daughter... is a, this is 10 years in the future, Greg. She's Which 21. Coach... She's 21 and dating an NFL head coach. I'm this going is to 20 the years. This is 20 years in the future. Have they aged? She's still too no, young. No, in this scenario, uh, your daughter's in her early 30s and the coaches are exactly as they are now. And go. Which coach are you hoping she isn't dating? All or of is. Them. Terrible. Is or isn't. Or terrible. Is. Uh, all of them. Um, they'd be bad husbands. I mean, not, I'm not saying like they're oh. bad husbands in the context of like, whether they're good parents or what they do, but ultimately uh, I'm hoping for my daughter, someone that can be there more often than an NFL head coach. Is there, That's a period. great answer from Greg and uh, a man that loves his family. I love it. Yeah. Let's just clean up. It's not, they're not bad husbands. They are no, in terrible I, no. work, workflow scenarios. And I've watched, I remember a few years back, there was an excellent NFL films documentary that kind of told the life of scouts, not even guys that not necessarily the bottom of the ladder guys that were just, ingrained in organizations and you got to look at what their what their schedule is and how rarely they saw their families and like that that doesn't the workflow doesn't get lesser the higher you move up the chain it's it's a very difficult gig and shout out really to the to the wives and the families that are able to make it work i'll never forget um i think i've told this once before years ago but at a Super Bowl where Dan and I were tasked with writing, I'm not kidding, about 24 blogs a day, um, seven days in a row. I tracked <laughs> down the wife of Marv Levy and Marv Levy was with her and like um, he was unavailable, but she was. And so I decided I'm just going to ask her what it's been like to be married to an NFL coach. Um, and I thought I'd get a lot of, you know, it's been a successful run. They've got all these Super Bowls, like he's the toast of the town. Um, it was uh, the opposite to Greg's point. And it was, this is someone that was not available for three or four decades in a row. And then suddenly he was, um, it threw our entire household um, out of order because suddenly he's hanging around all the time. And uh, it was, it, the report was negative enough where it did not make NFL.com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember you telling me about that. I might've even seen the raw copy of the uh, article that never saw the light of day. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Marv Levy buried in a big spot. <laughs> um, yeah, that was like the the story of uh, the Michael Bennett story after the Malcolm Butler game, where I asked him about what happened on the sideline after the Wilson pick, and he made a derogatory comment about my um, manhood and like mentioned my wife, and it was just like, what is going on? So I it was like. <laughs> You know, it was crazy. It was, Wes used to love this story. It was crazy. Like it was, I remember being like stunned when it happened. Like he was, he was being a a, a jerk. Like, but I understood in the moment he was a next level out. jerk. I mean, yeah. that's next right. level. Jerk. He um. So I went. I went back to the um. I went back to the press box and I and I was blogging like live blogging or whatever all week and I wrote a blog post about it and um. You know, I maybe uh. Maybe there was some return fire in it, and uh, and then that was very quickly stricken from the record as well and eliminated from the website. I don't know if it ever made it up. It might have been up for a little bit, uh, 
but that was that was a memory. <laughs> the me. Wild West of NFL.com. What else we got? The best part Michael of the mailbag is when you guys get into these stories about your lives. It's great. You, okay, next question. <laughs> <laughs> From Ewan, Ewan Thomas. Is it possible to have the same team of ATN in consecutive seasons? I can't see any other team to be more deserving to be it again than the Lions. I'm in. I, I want it to happen. I think they've broken the boundaries of what it means to be the team of ATN. I want to stay on this ride. Uh, they lost me a little bit with the Jamal Williams uh, non-bring-back oh, uh, scenario. One, it's one guy. It's one guy. I know. Um, but like, uh, no, I, we make our own rules. Guy, it's important we also guy. don't do it for years in a row. So I mean, there's clearly right. no... It's, it's a feel no thing. System. It's a feel thing. I'll, I'll just say, like, you know, in the interest of trying to keep things fresh uh, as we enter our second decade of this show... Running back the team of ATN as the Lions, I don't know, man. I see where you're coming from, Greggy. But that's that is know. what would be keeping it fresh, doing something we've never uh, <laughs> it's done. One way to look unprecedented. At it. That's how I'm you sound like at you it. sound like a movie producer that's being criticized for there are too many sequels. Why do you keep on doing superhero sequels? Like, no, the plot's different in this one. <laughs> <laughs> I just right. mean it's like making more of a, a commitment than than we ever have before. I mean, my I'm gonna be rooting for him. Think about week. Think you about can't week. Control me. We think about late, late December, Greggy, uh, of a Lions like you know 28, 24 win that keeps them in the playoff picture, and we're singing that song on a Sunday night again for like the third month in a row after well, doing just, it for four months the previous year. Imagining Mark's annoyance to it, <laughs> uh, which I can see in his face right now. Uh, no, I mean, want I to do it even more. Now I think you know your way to my heart, Greg. Now it's getting a little more interesting. We have to agree <laughs> that with every team of ATL, it used to just be Wes's team, and that was it was his way or the highway, but um, there are varying levels of buy-in, and I attempted to be you know, cooperative, and then they kind of did win me over. Well, that, that's part of the reason I like the Lions. I'm annoyed now. <laughs> is that uh, I felt like uh, they, were, they were a team we could all truly get behind. Uh, maybe not Mark quite as much, but um, you know, they, were, they were agreed upon quite easily. Also, the stars aligned with that team yeah. on the rise and Campbell, and they were on hard knocks. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Hey, listen, we'll the future is a mystery. That's fair. We got to wait. We got to wait till the training camp. How we feel. All right. What else? A couple more. A couple more. All right. From TK. How much does the oh. Giants being relevant again hurt Greg Rosenthal? You know, Greg, I want to tee you up on this one. I want you to be honest, okay? Because a couple shows ago, and I took no umbrage with it. Like you pointed out when I took some shots at Jalen Rams, you're like, uh, you know, you know how Dan is, you know, he has certain teams he hates and he's just going to do that. And it's like, you know what? Yeah, I don't like the Dolphins. Don't like the Patriots. I I, I also try to uh, look at both sides, but I will admit it that I do not like those teams because of my fan leaning. Maybe this is an opportunity for you finally. And 42 and 46, obviously, is a driving reason behind it all. Just admit it. Don't hide behind. Oh, I'm a media guy. Like you don't like the Giants, and you didn't like that they had a bounce back season in 22. I that's not true. I <laughs> I didn't like the Eli Manning uh, era. I didn't. Oh, like I wouldn't either was, if I was a Patriots. He fan. was uh, puffed up, and they were sort of like this weird uh, team that. Yeah, it was probably like the 12th best team of that decade, just like in aggregate. And yet they uh, snuck away two Super Bowls. Didn't feel right. Uh, but once that was all gone and flushed away, I'm, I'm fine. With uh, I'm loyal to football. 
I do not believe anything you just said, by the way. I just want to be honest with you. It's like, true. The only teams that I like, it depends on the year and who's the coach and who's the vibe and what's going on, whether whether I kind of like a team or not. The commanders uh, under this ownership has been the consistent team. I am open that I root against. Yeah, but that's easy. <laughs> Yeah, that's easy, but it's true. Guy. But what it's I'm looking true. for is the real stuff. Like the, the reason why you're even sitting where you are right now, because you love football, you were a fan, you grew up and and you did suffer those Super Bowl losses. And it is New York and there's a Boston, New York rivalry, um, you know, that that all factors in. Just just acknowledge it. Nobody's going to think any less of you. That's that's the, all I'm saying. The the Peyton Manning Colts and Broncos were like so much more hateable. Like they, the Giants were just these teams that that popped up and the Patriots blew it. By then they had banked some Super Bowls. Though that. <laughs> I'm not admitting it. <laughs> All right. That was, that was great. Um, what else? One more. One more. All Jeff right. Drake. <laughs> From Jeff Drake. Why do you act as Odell Beckham's publicists? Wait a minute. <laughs> First uh, can of all, you, can I you don't... bring that up again? I just want to see the spelling of Odell Beckham here. <laughs> it's O apostrophe capital D E L L. Okay. Took the time to apostrophe that, but didn't apostrophe Beckham's plural S at the yeah, end. Yeah, we usually Ooh. don't. Yeah, grammar shame around here, but that one was pretty special. I think he's referring to uh, an Irish Odell Beckham that we don't even know about potentially, but like, um, Hi, I think it's, Odell it's Beckham. right. It's so absurd to suggest that we're as publicists. I think if anything, we've been like, if I were to tilt us in one direction, it would be almost like overly critical, like not even willing to see the player sometimes and like, look at the Odell, the Odell Beckham experience through a negative lens. I certainly did as a Browns fan. I think that he annoyed Dan, both of us, uh, during parts of his Giants run. I mean, we can see his I'm talent. I've been now. critical of Odell Beckham on this exactly. podcast for eight years, basically. Now, and but, oh, but oh, apostrophe Dell Beckham. Yeah, maybe it's a different Maybe guy. we have been too um, charitable to him. I don't know. Yeah, you and you and Wes would uh, war on Odell a little bit because, you know, the, Chris, Chris would say how, look, I've never seen a receiver come into the league this good. I think that's the answer. Maybe I'm the publicist because I ranked him so high in my uh, top 101 and uh, he's still sitting out there. Maybe I'm rating him a little too highly in terms of what he can offer now. But the reason is because the first three years in the league were as impressive, all thir over 1,300 yards a season, uh, a total sensation, literally led the league in yards per game as a rookie. Um, as any receiver we've seen come into the league in a long, long time. And that just like put him on a place where his influence, his attention is outsized. And uh, by, by the way, it's worth pointing out, literally the last time we saw him on the field, he was sort of the difference in mm -hmm. a team winning the Super Bowl. And, and, and that, that's part of it. You're right. Um, go ahead, Mark. Well, no, I would say if we are doing a Odell Beckham to uh, the Jets emergency show five hours from now. Let's see how charitable I am on that front. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I this is the Jeff Darlington. He was on uh, one of the ESPN shows this morning. This was get what, up, get up. That's edgy. Uh, we should very much consider Odell Beckham Jr. still on the table as an option for the New York Jets. In fact, we can go even further to say that both sides would still like to see this done. Uh, that sounds pretty strong. That's pretty strong reporting from Darlington. And if and if Odell Beckham does end up on the Jets, all I could say is what a wonderful player. I mean, but let's let's save that for the emergency podcast. I mean, he is a great player. It would be a sexy wide receiver room. 
if he ended up in there. But yes, the the idea of pairing those two guys, Rodgers and Beckham, th- it would be rather annoying potentially. Well, I would. Uh, there isn't. There is. This will never happen. But I think it's been you know fairly thought up by some that what if they get Odell Beckham. They've shipped Elijah Moore out the door, but then Odell Beckham is your your star here, along with Garrett. And like suddenly, there's no Rogers retires in the eleventh hour, and you've got Zach Wilson and Odell Beckham. I am signing up to watch that unfold on public television. Wait, what was this? What was? What did you just lay out? That it, in a world in where world, like they Rogers get Odell retires, Beckham, they get they get Alan Lazard, they get Odell Beckham, and then Odell Beckham is like you know stunned to discover that Aaron <laughs> Rodgers out and his good friend apparently um, out of nowhere retires, and it's Zach Wilson and o- dealing with Odell Beckham all next year. That would be um, tasty. It's like week sounds six. Like, in, it sounds like in, you have some unresolved Odell Beckham issues I yourself, might. Mark. I might. It's like That's week possible. six and Goody is like, no, I am insisting on the first round pick. I don't know why he's talking <laughs> like that. Because he's German. All right. Thank you to everybody that sent in questions. That's it for uh, today's show. A uh, good week of shows. We'll be back on Tuesday. Don't be alarmed when you don't see us on Monday, especially after the Marchand conversation. Um, we'll be back on Tuesday uh, with another episode. Um, until then, this is the old Zeuser signing off for Quiet Storm and the old boss and the gravedigger, um, Greggy. I think we had a little, made a little progress on the Giants thing today. I know you didn't say anything, but I think it's just a little bit of progress. I don't even know what progress means in this context. Heed the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.